Joining us with analysis of what's playing itself out on the market scene is Jacobus Brink from SFO Investments. Jacobus, always a pleasure and a good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, always a pleasure. All right, Jacobus, keen to get your thoughts really uh, as we reflect on this first week of trade for the fourth quarter uh, on the third quarter and how a markets performed then and what we are anticipating to be drivers uh, as we uh, settle into this fourth quarter. Yeah, no, I think definitely just looking at, you know, what's been going on in the markets uh, the past day or two, you know, it's clearly rates, rates, rates. Um, I think, you know, the, the U.S. in particular um, is uh, U.S. Treasury yields are pretty much driving uh, all of these big moves in the currencies. We saw the yen, the pound, the euro all trading at multi-month lows. And I think of particular interest is the, the psychological 150 yen to the dollar um, level. Um, yeah, we saw some strong manufacturing data coming out of the US yesterday. Um, and that coupled obviously with a lot of um, talk from, uh, I think it was two specific um, uh, Federal Reserve um, commentators that uh, indicated that they should probably stay stay at longer lot go the longer for higher route as far as rates are concerned. I really sort of started to scoop the market. I mean, um, I think the aversion of the the U.S. government shutdown was a little one, at least one positive we could have taken. Um, but you know, we saw ten-year yields yesterday hitting a peak intraday. I think of around. Seven, which you know we haven't seen those type of levels in 16 years, um, and obviously you know these big rate differentials between the U.S. and, and some of the other developed markets are driving a massive surge in the dollar. Um, and another cause of this, you know, we're also seeing um, five-year, five-year forward inflation swap rates, which is sort of the market's anticipation of, you know, what inflation will be in the future, have started to tick up as well, you know. So inflation, I think, and rates will be the sort of predominant theme as we kick off this, this third quarter, fourth quarter. I'm keen to also get your thoughts on the pound here. Yeah, that's had its worst month against the U.S. dollar uh, for a year. It looks like, uh, you know, the issues that are within uh, that U.K. economy, uh, Jacob, is also starting to show up in a currency that has uh, been able to hold its own for most part uh, for a while. Yeah, I think the big sort of sell-off in the pound really kicked off um, last week or the pre previous week when the, the Bank of England decided not to raise rates. I mean, the market was pricing in uh, pretty much a 100% probability of a 25 basis point rate hike, uh, and they, they ended up not hiking rates. Now, you know, um, I know recently the UK GDP numbers were, were updated to show marginal growth, but, you know, the, the UK economy is in a, is in a very bad state as as the, the growth picture. Inflation is still extremely high, you know, even though we saw the previous um, inflation number dip down slightly from 6.9 to 6.7. I mean, it, it's still a, a very, very high, high um, number. And, you know, food inflation, especially, and um, also wage inflation in the, U in the UK have been sort of the dominant drivers of that inflation being very sticky to the upside. You know, so um, I think, you know, that is pretty much what the UK is in for, whether you can already say that they are sort of reaching stable inflationary um you know the areas is 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 yeah um a tough one for for the uk there 
Also, can to get your thoughts on what we saw this morning uh, with a Chinese market, uh, you know, really surging on the back of Evergrande being back on the stock exchange. I'm wondering what uh, has markets so beat about Evergrande? We know they've been in trouble. Uh, we know that they come off a suspension on the exchange. But here we are seeing a rally here. Is this just hope? Yeah, you know, I think so. It was, um, it was it, the trading, it was extremely volatile. I think at one stage it was up about 40% um, on the day, um, but I think it sort of en ended to settle around 20 odd percent. Um, you know, it's some analysts sort of are starting to say that, you know, with some of these latest setbacks we have, they don't really see the debt restructuring plan um, going through. And that actually risks, you know, bears the risk of the company actually being liquidated. Um, you know, and there's a whole bunch of noise around it as well. So I think, you know, that there might have been a sort of, sort of buy, a few buy the dip um, investors this morning, you know, getting in at, at those very, very low prices. But yeah, it, it remains to be seen. Yeah, there's a lot of, as I mentioned, noise around it, around the business. Um, and it will have to, that's all going to rely on that debt restructuring plan to get that passed. Also keen to bring it back home here, what we are seeing is that uh, South Africa's net equity outflows uh, have reached new highs. I think 100 billion rand, uh, Jacobus. I'm keen to get your thoughts here. Uh, you know, what does this tell us about how international investors are looking at South Africa and the overall investment case uh, for our stocks? Yeah, you know, I think um, that's sort of been a continuous trend, you know, um, not only this year, but last year as well. You know, we've continuously seen sort of big outflows out of our equity markets um, and to some extent our bond markets as well. But I mean, currently we, we're seeing on such high um, real yields that the bond market might start to to get some, some more interest. But yeah, from the equity side, you know, if you just look at our equity markets from a valuation point of view, SA Inc. is currently extremely cheap. Um, you know, we've had a number of very negative sort of sentiment drivers towards the country, you know, the load shedding. We had a lot of strikes and unrest and everything um, last year. Um, so I think there's already a, a lot of negative news priced into into the market. Um, you know, we've been sort of screaming, but you know, at these levels, you've got to start to see value at some stage. But you know, we're going to have to see some sort of turnaround from the international community, from a sentiment point of view, um, before we're probably really going to start seeing that that inflow uh, outflow turn to, to to an inflow number. Let's also touch on oil, uh, OPEC uh, uh, plus. Countries are currently in a meeting. They've gone on to say that they are expecting a higher demand. Of course, uh, Saudi Arabia and Russia are expected to maintain their output uh, cuts. I'm keen to get your thoughts here on what you think the oil trajectory might be for the fourth quarter. It's a very hard thing, uh, you know, to try to uh, forecast, uh, Jacobus. But, I mean, for, for South Africa's sake, uh, do we know what could possibly happen with oil and therefore us here at home? Yeah, oil has been a very, very interesting trade all year. You know, I think to a large extent, um, it has been artificially inflated by the um, supply cuts from especially Saudi and Russia, and but you know, OPEC plus in general. Because, um, because I do think you know, to, to a large extent, um, there has been some 
demand destruction in oil. You know, my personal opinion is that this could be a little bit of a political play because of the fact that you know um, the U.S.'s strategic petroleum reserve is currently sitting at multi-decade lows. So at some stage, you know, they'll have to start refilling um, the the strategic petroleum reserve, and you know, it's so there's obviously that natural demand that needs to start coming through at some stage. Um, and as long as OPEC sort of keeps the, the supply cuts going, you know, oil's going to sort of start to find a, a base at a fairly high level. So, you know, even though we saw a little bit of a, a pullback, um, I think I wouldn't be surprised to see if we, we see another sort of march upwards towards the $100 barrel level. Um, be, that being said, um, I do think, you know, if we see some sort of systemic or massive credit event globally that sort of, you know, puts markets into a tailspin, then the oil, oil market will start to price in, you know, some real demand destruction. Um, but at this stage, you know, it's it's obviously, as you mentioned, anyone's guess. But yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a three-digit number there on the, on the oil price. Well, Jacobus, I'm keen to get your stock pick uh, in a bit. But first, let's reflect on counters that have found favor with your industry peers. It's going to be a blue chip. It's called S&P Global, SPGI is the code. Um, this is the company probably familiar to South Africans that actually tends to downgrade our debt junk from time to time. But they don't <laughs> only do debt evaluations for corporates and, and, and big companies. They also produce indices and market data, which they sell. That market data has got great annuity uh, revenue for them. Um, and then, you know, with interest rates possibly peaking, you know, you're going to see possibly a reissuance re, re of, of some credits. So you get some, some, you know, some inflow from that. It's not cheap. Try to buy it into a downturn, but this is a blue chip um, dividend aristocrat that probably a lot of people have never really heard of. I'm going offshore. I'm going to, to go for electronic arts, uh, which is, I mean, if you don't know, yeah, I think most people know it. It's a big gaming company. It does oh. uh, titles like FIFA, Star Wars. NFL, Apex Legends, that kind of thing. Um, it's a, it's a, it's it's partly the industry. So so just uh, on a sector level, you know, the you're looking at out to 20, uh, 2030, You know, uh, the sector is going to grow significantly. It's it's going to multiply many times. You're looking at probably fifteen to eighteen percent growth uh, within the sector. And then of that, your your big players are probably Activision, Blizzard, uh, Take Two, and EA are the big listed uh, U.S. companies that you can buy into. But uh, if you look at it uh, from from a just just a, a pure valuation point of view, EA looks looks to be the best. Its stock also hasn't moved as aggressively as something like Take Two this year, so so lagging a little bit. And I think that's that's uh, an opportunity for, for investors to get in. If if you look at its. Uh, um, uh, Let's say five-year uh, revenue CAGR, you're looking at about an eight eight percent. Um, yet you're you're paying say four times sales when you compare that to something like Nvidia at almost forty times sales. It looks very very cheap to me. Um, in, in essentially a, a tech industry, and of course I think I think people also underestimate how defensive some of these these companies can be. Yeah. They, they create these huge massive online uh, communities, and and those players actually tend to become very very sticky once they're in the ecosystem. Yeah. They they don't tend to leave, and, uh, and yeah, that's why I would. Uh, uh, say it's worth having okay. in a portfolio. I'm going to go um, local Aspen. Um, you know, it's obviously been to the moon and back, um, came to earth with a thud when market became quite fearful of the excessive debt um, following an acquisition spree. But I think this business is, is really well placed. Um, you know, the last results weren't spectacular. Obviously, a few things like Russia and China weighing on them. Um, but, uh, and COVID, obviously, with uh, you know, with the base effects and having to destroy. 
But you're looking at a business that will probably deliver 16 rands worth of earnings. Um, if you, you sort of take the Kool-Aid from management, I think this business is very, very well placed. Um, and, um, yeah, I believe that you're going to see very, very strong earnings growth from a, a, a fairly predictable, well-run business that I think is is highly respective in the space that they produce. Um, so, yeah, I think on an 11 multiple with a you know, whopping 2% dividend yield, but at least you're getting one now, I think this business is a hell of a lot better place than it was five or 10 years ago, and the multiple is is really cheap. So, And, of course, it, it, it gives you strong rand edge uh, you know, elements for those who want that. All right, Jacob is keen to get your thoughts and insights on some of those uh, stocks, S&P Global, Electronic Arts, it's a ga- the gaming company, as well as Aspen. That's one I don't hear of often. Yeah, I know. Um, all three of them, very interesting interesting stocks. The EA Gaming one, um, you know, is, is one especially interesting. You know, you've got this massive sticky sort of annuity income um, that you sort of get from, from the user base. And it is a growing user base, you know, despite we've seen some, some issues out of China, you know, especially, you know, getting kids trying to play these games and, and, and so forth. But I mean, that's been in the price for a while. And like, like the, the speaker mentioned, you know, it is, they have been lagging quite a bit. And if you take it versus, you know, some of these other companies in the space, you know, it, it, it is much more from a valuation point of view also also looking looking good um aspen yeah i think aspen sort of well placed you know um they like like you mentioned the recent um results were spectacular um but from a from a valuation point of view and it goes back to you know what i mentioned earlier there are a lot of a lot of local picks that are that are really at trading at really cheap valuations aspen's off about i think 20 percent of its eyes that traded earlier in the year so yeah those two i think i'll sort of stay away from tech at the moment um so yeah aspen probably a little bit more of a defensive play uh And keen to get your stock picker for this afternoon, Jacobus, uh, so which counter are you going with? Um, so, a little bit controversial, I suppose, at this stage, but um, I'm backing Richemont. Um, I saw a, 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 a sort of a sector upgrade for the luxury brands um, this morning out of Citibank. Um, I know, obviously, uh, you know, a lot of it's uh, driven by um, Chinese demand, which you have seen slump. Um, you know, I think the Chinese consumer is just not one that you can really ignore. Um, and at the moment, that sort of story is going to start to turn around. You know, you'll see we'll, we'll see some proper upside there. Um, and the other thing is, you know, some of these luxury brands, including Richemont, I mean, they're, they're trading at valuations that we lost all in 2018, 2017, you know, 2016 even. Um, so just extremely cheap, extremely well-run business. You know, it's got a great track record. Um, so, yeah, that's my stock pick for today. Well, Jacob, it's been a pleasure catching up with you. Uh, thank you so much for chatting with us this afternoon. That was your Midday Markets Update with Jacobus Brink from SFO Investments.